Welcome to the Genealogy Gems Podcast, providing quick and innovative ways to make the absolute most out of your research time and creative ideas for sharing and displaying your family history. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of the Genealogy Gems podcast. I am so glad that you have tuned in, and we've got lots of interesting genealogical stuff on the docket for you today. I know that a lot of you are out there dealing with tornadoes and ice and snow, so wherever you are, I hope that you are safe and dry. This might be a very good time of year to be inside listening to podcasts and digging into your roots from the comfort of your own home. I know I've been having a grand time working on my research lately, and it's been really fun because my cousin Carolyn, who has been a guest on the show here a couple of times, she got a large batch of photographs from another cousin of ours, and she's been scanning and documenting them. And every day or so, I get an email with an old photo or two attached, and I just love it. My great-grandmother was Carolyn's grandmother, and so many of the photos were copied and made the rounds around the family. So some of them I've seen before, but a lot of them I haven't. Actually, one in particular uh, she sent the other night was of my aunt, who was about eight years old at the time, and she was playing the piano. And Carolyn was asking me if I thought the picture had been taken at my dad's childhood home. And I knew right away that it had been because there on top of the the old upright piano that was in the photograph was the framed photograph of my grandmother that I now have in my living room, as well as there there was a little cardboard cutout photograph. Uh, it was of my dad riding a tricycle, and it stands upright in kind of like a little wooden frame. Those used to be kind of popular, I think, back then, the 1940s. They would... um like paste or, you know, somehow adhere the photograph to the cardboard cutout and then they would stand it up in these little frames. Well, you wouldn't hardly even be able to tell that's what it was, you know, by looking at this picture when it's on top of the piano if you hadn't seen it before. But um, I actually have it here in my home office. So I I recognized it right away. So it was really neat to see a photograph from the 1940s uh, make its way all the way back to me with those little clues in it. And there was a wonderful framed photograph of my grandfather on the piano, too, which I've never seen before. So that was kind of neat. I might have to uh, see if I can figure out a way to sharpen the photograph and then, like, blow it up and crop that photo of Grandpa out of it. Uh, That would be really neat to have. And also, this last week, I got a letter from another branch of that same family uh, that they're putting together a family reunion for the first time over the 4th of July. So I'm going to try and see if I can swing it to get out there. It's out in Oklahoma. But this is probably a very good time of year to be thinking about having a family reunion. I've heard many people say that it can take months and months to do a really good job of planning one. So since summer is a very popular time to have them right about now, I guess would be the right time to start planning one. Uh, In fact, I would love to hear from you if you have held a family reunion. What kind of activities did you plan and what kind of things did you wish that you had thought of back in the planning stages uh, when you actually got around to having the reunion? I've actually been toying with the idea of having a family reunion myself um, for my mom's side of the family, but I could really use some good advice on the subject. So drop me a line at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com. 
uh, if you've organized a family reunion before and tell me your experiences about it. You guys always have such great ideas, and I'd love to pass them along here on the show as well and uh, see if I can't incorporate some myself and put something together for the summer of 2009. Well, another type of genealogy get-together is a genealogy conference, and the Southern California Genealogical Society is well into their planning for the 40th annual Genealogy Jamboree, which will be held June 26th through the 28th, 2009, at the Burbank Airport Marriott Hotel and Convention Center in Burbank, California. Now, they just announced their list of speakers, which you will find on the Genealogy Gems news blog, and I'll have a link to that posting in the show notes for this episode. I'll be there teaching my Google a goldmine of Genealogy Gems seminars, uh, parts one and two, as well as participating in a, a neat summit. It's called Son of a Blogger. I think it will be a bunch of us genealogy bloggers getting together and and uh, having some conversation about genealogy blogging. So I'll keep you posted on the podcast and in my blog about that upcoming conference. Um, but I also want to encourage you to check out the official Jamboree blog at genealogyjamboree.blogspot.com where you'll find everything that you need to know about attending the Southern California Genealogical Jamboree from the best hotels and the best airfare deals to how to register. It's all there on the Jamboree blog. And also speaking of conferences, later on the program, we're going to be talking to Holly Hansen from Family History Expos about not only the upcoming conference later this month at the end of February in St. George, Utah, but they're actually putting together six conferences in 2009, a record number, hopefully one coming near you. So we'll be talking to her more about that in just a little bit. And also on the Genealogy Gems news blog, I've been talking about the Who Do You Think You Are TV show, which has once again been moved. <laughs> uh, just a few weeks ago, they announced that it would premiere uh, April 20th. But I guess it's pretty common at TV networks that things get juggled around a little bit. And that time slot that they thought that they had for the show has actually now been given to deal or no deal. <laughs> so it's no deal for who do you think you are, at least in April. So it looks like it's going to be summertime before we actually get to see an episode of the new show here in the United States. And I actually had a lot of fun posting about that on the blog because I found a terrific old photograph of my husband's aunt that perfectly represented how many folks are feeling about the show getting put off again and again. So you'll just have to head to the Genealogy Gems news blog to see little Dorothy expressing herself. And I also wrote uh, on the blog about Amazon.com's recent announcement that the new Kindle 2 is ready for pre-order. Now, I would love to hear from you if you have used a Kindle. If you're not familiar with it, it's a little handheld device that you can load electronic books on and you can take it with you and read wherever you go. Now, a friend of mine has one and says it's it's not like reading a computer screen. It actually really is like reading pages and that she absolutely is hooked on it. She can carry loads of books on just the one lightweight device. And I noticed that Paul Allen, CEO of World Battle Records and Family Link, was raving about the Kindle on his blog the other day. He made a really good point that um, it actually really lends itself well to education because it has one single purpose. It's for reading books. And he kind of compared it to the iPod, which has multiple uses, and that those 
uses like games and music and stuff can really distract, particularly kids, but I guess all of us, uh, for using it for educational purposes, like listening to audiobooks. Now, for me, the fact that iPods are multi-purpose is one of the things I really love about them. You know, when you invest a couple of hundred dollars, it's it's nice to get as much use out of something as you can. But I can see the point that Paul is making uh, about the Kindle being for the single purpose of reading books. It does allow the manufacturer to really focus on perfecting that particular use, and it does encourage reading. And it seems like a Kindle would be a fantastic way to keep up on your genealogy reading. Uh, it's not always real convenient, obviously, to lug around a bunch of books, but one slim Kindle in your pocket or your bag could certainly work. So check out the Kindle and the improvements that have been made to it by going to the show notes, and I'll have information there for you and a link to my blog posting about it. And if you do decide to get yourself a Kindle or some of the cool accessories they have for it, if you already have one, uh, you can easily support this free podcast when you do it. Simply go to Amazon by clicking the link in the show notes or on the blog uh, or anywhere on the Genealogy Gems website, and Genealogy Gems will receive credit for having referred you as a customer. And it's really as easy as that. It doesn't change your purchase one bit, doesn't add any extra cost to it at all, but Amazon does give Genealogy Gems credit for the referral, which means you're getting something cool that you need to buy anyway, and you'll be helping to keep this free genealogy show coming to you and keeping it free. And just so you know, it doesn't actually matter what you end up purchasing. So if you click the link for the Kindle, but you don't buy a Kindle, you buy something else, doesn't matter. If you get to Amazon by one of the links on our website, you're absolutely helping the show. And as I've said, you really do make this show possible. So I thank you very, very much for that. Now, I'm recording this episode the second week of February 2009, and there's a bit of Lincoln mania going on as we observe the anniversary of his 200th birthday. Uh, Henry Louis Gates has a somewhat controversial television show on PBS, as I understand it, uh, about Abraham Lincoln. The National Archives has been having celebrations, and Ancestry has gotten in on the act by announcing that they'll be releasing eight new Civil War era collections, uh, which I also talked about recently on the blog, and I'll have a link to that post in the show notes. And as I record this episode, they are actually just now announcing that they have indeed posted five of those databases. This Civil War collection is part of Ancestry's U.S. military collection, which includes more than 100 million names from the 1600s through Vietnam. The five new Civil War era databases are the Abraham Lincoln Papers, which come from the Library of Congress, and that's a collection of more than 20,000 letters written to and from President Lincoln, as well as drafts of his speeches. The collection includes a draft of Lincoln's speech from 1863, condemning slavery, and a letter from May 11th, 1863, written by L.E.B. Reno, who was the niece of Brigadier General Jesse Reno, who had disguised herself as a male to fight in the Union Army, asking President Lincoln if I can remain in your service. So pretty interesting stuff. And all of these letters can be searched for free on Ancestry. Then they have the New Orleans Slave Manifests covering 1807 to 1860. And that includes images of ship manifests transporting more than 30,000 slaves to New Orleans from the upper southern states. And my understanding is those manifests are actually being transcribed over the next couple of months. So hopefully that means there'll be a good index to go along with it. 
Now, the third collection that they have added is the Confederate pension applications from Georgia. More than 60,000 records documenting pension applications filed in Georgia from Confederate soldiers and their widows. As part of the application process, applicants actually had to answer a series of questions about themselves, and they signed the document, which makes it a terrific source for genealogists. The fourth database is the Confederate Applications for Presidential Pardons, a collection of 15,000-plus records of former Confederate soldiers and government officials requesting presidential pardons. And finally, the U.S. Civil War Soldier Records and Profiles, which contains more than 4.2 million records and profiles about nearly every officer and soldier who fought in the Civil War. Ancestry says that many of the records include actual photographs of the individuals, which would be really cool to find. The folks at Ancestry say that they will add millions more historical records from the Civil War period to its website as the country approaches the 150th anniversary of that historic conflict. You can find Ancestry's Civil War collection at Ancestry.com slash Civil War. And over at my Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast, uh, the newest episode is episode number 16, which was released Friday, February 13th. And that's about the Family History Library. Um, in the first segment, we kind of get acquainted with the largest depository of genealogy in the world. And that is definitely the Family History Library in Salt Lake City. As you know, the library is free and it's available to the public. And I'm going to get you ready to make really good use of it. And if you've already been tapping into the Family History Library, whether you've made a trip there in person or you regularly go to FamilySearch.org and use the website and the online catalog, I've actually got some great catalog research tips for you that are going to help you get even better results. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that. And my guest on that show is the director of the Family History Library, Don Anderson. He's going to be talking about not only what's currently going on at the library, but what the vision is for the Family History Library of tomorrow. And I am diligently working on episode 17, which is going to take us from the Family History Library over to the Family History Centers. And I'm always surprised how many people aren't familiar with the Family History Centers, or at least have never personally been to one. They are all over the country. I believe there's about 4,500 of them around the country, around the world, I should say. And certainly, they are your portal to accessing the microfilms that are found in Salt Lake City. For such a nominal fee, you can have them sent to your local Family History Center. You can use them there, make copies, digitize, whatever you need to do. They're just a fantastic resource. So if you've never been to a Family History Center before, this episode is going to completely demystify them for you and uh, tell you everything you need to know so that you can get in there and make great use of them and certainly tap into the wonderful experience and knowledge of the people that staff the Family History Centers. Their volunteers are amazing. So lots of good stuff coming up on Family History Genealogy Made Easy. Easiest way to get that podcast is either to find us in iTunes by typing in Family History or coming to the Genealogy Gems website at genealogygems.tv and you'll see the logo there for it right on the front page, the yellow family. <laughs> I call them the yellow family. Just click on the artwork and it will take you right over to the pages where you'll find all of those episodes.
Profile America, Friday, February 13th. It's rare for a day to go by in which the President of the United States is not seen in multiple newspaper and magazine photographs. The clack of shutters and the accompanying burst of light from camera flashes is part of every public event involving the Chief Executive. The first photograph of a U.S. President was taken this week in 1849 when James K. Polk, America's 11th President, posed for his picture just before the end of his term in office. The photographer was Matthew Brady, whose extensive coverage of the Civil War would later make him famous. Today, 173,000 Americans make their living as photographers. You can find these and more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. Some of the best genealogical gems available today are the Family History Expos. They're genealogy conferences where you can attend a wide range of classes, meet genealogy experts from around the world, and see firsthand the newest and best family history products and services. And some exciting news for 2009 is that Holly Hansen, who's the president of the Family History Expos, has expanded the conference schedule to six locations throughout the Western United States. And we are fortunate to have Holly here with us today on the show. Hi, Holly. Hi. I'm glad to be here. Oh, me too. I, I was so excited. I mean, I had so much fun going to um, my very first conference in Ogden uh, with you guys, and it, it was so much fun. And then to hear that you're going to add so many um, locations in 2009, you're going to get out in front of a lot more people. So I wanted to make sure that the listeners had a chance to hear from you about um what a genealogy conference is like, what they could expect, and look forward to at some of these locations. Um, so I'm just wondering, for someone who has never attended a genealogy conference before, why don't you tell us, you know, why, why don't you tell us why they should get out of their house and come and attend a conference? Okay, first of all, it's fun. Um, you're going to meet a lot of people who are working on family history, Often you're going to connect with genealogy cousins that you just don't even expect. And that's, that's part of the fun of it, is meeting people who are, have the same interests. But on the educational side, there are classes offered by experts in the field who do it every day. A lot of our presenters work at the Family History Library in Salt Lake City, where that is the largest collection in the world, private collection of records from all over the world. And these people are helping patrons every day, all day long, and so they, they have been exposed to so many questions we will never have. So when you can come and talk to these people, they just have so much experience from helping. And we all know that when we help someone else, we learn more. So the more that um, our speakers help other people, the more they're able to help us. So I I feel like the, the speakers that we have come have a lot of expertise, and they're happy to talk to you about your own personal research problems. Maybe not during the class time. During the class time, they usually ha reserve a few minutes at the end where you can ask questions. But in the exhibit hall, a lot of our a lot of our speakers have booths. We also have a booth that's called Ask the Pros. And we set up time periods for different professionals to be there. And as a registered attendee, you can come and talk to professional genealogists, bring your own research questions, 
and they'll sit there and look at your specific problems and help answer the question. So that's that's really an exciting part of the of the conference. The other thing is we have vendors that sell books and software, exhibitors that are displaying all kinds of fun fun things for genealogists. But if you're thinking about testing software, is this right for me at an expo, you could actually sit down, hands on, try it out, compare it with the other software vendors and decide which one really works for the method that that you learn best and so you know try it before you buy it it's kind of our motto (laughs) (laughs) and we have we just have a lot of different things going on in exhibit hall and the exhibit hall is free so um you know there is a fee for attending classes and 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 but the exhibits you can come and visit with people and learn what's out there I remember that when I first got started in family history, I had seen a flyer that there was a conference not too far from my home, and I went to check it out, and I couldn't believe all the things that were available. The biggest problem that we have as researchers is we do not know what we do not know. Right. So sometimes we don't know how to ask the right questions to get the answers to solve our problems. And by attending conferences and talking to professional people, they will stimulate us to ask questions because they will know things that we have not even considered. And then you start you start looking at, at your research from a whole different perspective because you're like, wow, I never knew about that. Um, for example, I have my ancestry come out of Georgia, the state of Georgia. And I had used the Handy Book for Genealogists. It was a really successful tool for me early in my research to do county courthouses and find out what was going on. And when I got to Georgia and you'd, you know, you'd find your family and you'd try to work through things, there was no logical way that the records were created that I could find. And as I went to a conference, I learned out that in the state of Georgia, all the land was settled through lotteries. Mm. They drew and they, they, um, for revolutionary war service, you could have chances to win free land after they had moved the Native American people off the land, they then populated it by having lotteries. And so people that had never lived in Georgia in their life could come down, stay there for a certain amount of time, and their rules and regulations, if if they fought in the revolution, they could come and take, you know, live there for a certain amount of time in the next land lottery, they were eligible to draw for land, and they didn't have to live there during the war. And I didn't know all of that. And so you begin to see where the people come from. And as families disperse the land, a father might have won one land, and it might be two or three generations before they actually went there. Or they may have never taken up the land but actually sold it. Wow. So in Georgia, where so many courthouses were burned, if you owned land in one county, it would be recorded in every county that you own land. So if the courthouse that your land was in burned, you might be able to find those same records recorded in another county where you, where the person owned land. So in Georgia, it's a unique thing. Early early settlers of Georgia often own land in multiple counties because of that land lottery. And it's kind of interesting. It's it's a totally different form of research than any other state in the in the whole United States. And I wouldn't have learned about that for a long time if I hadn't taken a class. 
Exactly. I mean, we have the um, convenience of being able to look at the records from our at our in our own home from our own computer, and yet when questions come up or you look in a particular database and you don't find what you're looking for, um, you're kind of on your own. And I, I, I totally agree. When you come into a conference and you attend a class and somebody's talking about that subject and it starts to open up ideas, you actually have some opportunities to talk about it, to to get that expert advice that just doesn't come from looking at a digitized record or the lack thereof <laughs> if you're checking through a database. So um, that, I think that is one of the exciting parts about being there live in person. It's just there's an element there that you just don't get anywhere else. There's another really important aspect where we do so much family history research online and we're using databases all the time. One of the things that you'll learn at conferences are the strengths and weaknesses of databases and their indexes. Uh, because you're not really looking at a book, you have to ask the computer the right question. And there are there are problems with every database out there. If you know what they are, you can learn how to get around that. You know, um, indexing. There are, there are some indexes that will be indexed verbatim how the transcriber read the record, and the the states the state codes have changed over time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll have a state code MN or MS in in one time it's um, Minnesota or Missouri or Mississippi in another time frame it's a different state and understanding some of those strengths and weaknesses of databases and their indexes will help you to better use that and and really understand the information that you're seeing on the screen absolutely and I know um, one of the things that we started at the last family history expo which was in Mesa Arizona in November of 2008 was um you invited me to come in and do some video interviews with some of these experts that have this kind of information. And I just had a fantastic time talking with these folks. And what I think is really exciting is, is that you're really kind of bringing um, some of these aspects of the conference to people in their homes through things like the Family History Expo's TV channel. And, um, and I know you have the podcast where you can come and, you know, go online and listen to some of these speakers and exhibitors talking. Um, it, it, these are really cool tools for being able to plan ahead before you go because you can't attend every class. Uh, you know, there's just so much going on, and um, there's a lot of prep work we can do from home, isn't there? There, there really is. We have a lot of people who call and say, I have eight choices and I don't know any of the speakers. Can you help me? And we, we decided by doing the podcast and the video video, people can actually go in and listen or watch someone and kind of get a feel for the way they teach. Is that the style you learn? And so we've made it possible for you to come and listen to speakers. And we often have speakers teach over and over again at our events. They'll teach different classes, but you'll learn their their style of presentation. And so even though the Mesa event is past, there's still a value of watching the videos and listening to the podcasts for the information and learning about those presenters so that as you plan for an upcoming event, you can say, gee, they've said some things that I really would like to know more, and you'll have that opportunity to meet that person then. It just helps you really be prepared and understand more about the people that are going to be teaching you once you arrive. 
Exactly. Now, as I mentioned, you've expanded your schedule to six locations this year in 2009. So tell us uh, what they are and how we can find out more about attending one of those conferences. Well, first, we'll be in St. George the end of this month, February 27th and 28th. All of the events are listed on our website at fhexpos.com. You can go in there and read up on them. Um, twice a year, we have what we call a research retreat in Salt Lake City where you can come in for a whole week and we'll spend every day at the Family History Library. We teach a basic class in the morning to adapt the collections and, and then we'll spend eight hours at the library with professionals helping you work on your very own project. We do that in April and November. And then we'll have another expo in Logan, Utah on May 9th. We'll be in Colorado, June 12th and 13th. We'll be in Wyoming, July 17th and 18th. We're doing a big Family History Expo in the Salt Lake City area, August 28th and 29th. And then we'll be in Redding, California in October on the 16th and 17th. So we have a really busy schedule this summer. A lot of, a lot of fun things going on. And we're meeting a lot of new people. As Each town, each city that we go to, we make more friends. We meet new people. And we learn about new products and services that are available out there because when we advertise and let people know that we're coming, the little local businesses that serve the genealogical community talk to us. We get to know them. And as they participate, more and more people find out about, about their, their products and services. So... Exactly. The best way to know to know what's going on with our expos is to um, sign up for a free newsletter. We send out once a month expo news. We give updates in that, and then just keep checking our website. As new events come, we post them. We'll be in Mesa, Arizona, in January of 2010. We are not doing you know we've done Mesa in the past in November, but we've moved that to January. So while it doesn't fall in in 2009. We still feel like it's this year, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> part of part of our schedule, so that that will be coming up in January of of 2010, and then we'll just repeat. And we like to make our events annual so that people can plan on it, and we'll come back year after year. And and we continue to look at other cities that that um, might benefit from our ability to come there and and put on an expo and bring exhibitors and speakers to teach. Well, I know that I am looking forward to being in St. George and getting the chance to see you again in person. And um, I will also be in um, the, oh, I'll be going to the Wyoming one, which I'm excited about. That's your first time there. And of course, I'll be in Salt Lake City and, and of course, in my own backyard, which is the Redding, California Expo in October. So, Holly, thank you so much for joining us today on the show and giving us some more insight and, and telling us about the new expos. Um, I invite everybody to come and uh, attend one of these and really get the experience of that firsthand genealogical experience. Thanks so much, Holly. Thank you, Lisa. I look forward to spending time with you soon, too. Hi there. This is Lisa Cook of Family History Genealogy Made Easy. Have you ever wondered who your ancestors were? Finding your family history has never been easier or more rewarding. 
Get the tools that will deliver success along with inspiring stories of family discovery on my weekly show, Family History, Genealogy Made Easy, on PersonalLifeMedia.com. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show Lisa Alzo, who we have talked to before on the podcast, and she is a well-known author and genealogy teacher, um, speaks at different conferences, and also writes for a magazine such as Family Tree Magazine. So I want to welcome her back to the show and talk to her a little bit about a very interesting educational project that she's involved with. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me back. Oh, thanks for coming on, because I've heard about your project on the web. It's called Gen Class, and I wanted to bring you on and have you talk with folks about it, because it's kind of a neat educational opportunity for someone who would like to maybe hone their skills or get into a new area of research that they're just not that familiar with, and you've got um, a neat opportunity for them to do that right there online. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Gen Class? Okay, Gen Class, uh, what we are is we're a group of instructors. Uh, we're based all over the world, actually, uh, U.S., Canada, uh, Scotland, U.K., Israel, Australia. And uh, we, we are sort of a cooperative group of instructors, and uh, our URL is genclass.com. And what it is is we offer a variety of different courses, uh, from sort of a basic jumpstart your genealogy all the way to specific uh, topics such as uh, writing your family history, organizing family history. There's an adoptive investigative class. Then there's some ethnic courses like Jewish genealogy, Eastern Europe, Scottish, English, Canadian, and a whole host of other specialties. But once you go to the site and pay for your class, uh, you'll get a, a email in that month from your instructor, and it, you'll get eight lessons, so uh, two lessons a week for the month, and then uh, you are in constant email contact with your instructor, and they guide you, you know, one-on-one. You can ask questions, and 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 we, as the instructors, guide the students through. And some of the instructors, some of the classes offer uh, a way online to do a, a chat, uh, an interactive uh, chat also to sort of facilitate class interaction and uh, so basically they get eight lessons eight detailed lessons uh, for the month and access to the instructor so it's kind of like having your own private genealogy tutor is the way we like to to look at it yeah and you know sometimes when you get into a new area like you finally jump the pond right and you realize, okay, I've got some people in, you know, Sweden or Germany or wherever it is. And then you realize, oh my gosh, this is going to require a whole other skill sets or different kinds of records that I haven't been involved in. And it can be difficult to know where to go. So this sounds like a, a really terrific option because not only are you learning about that particular area, but you've actually got a live person that you can interact with and ask questions of. Um, how did you guys come up with this idea? Well, um, the the core group are our founders. We have uh, seven of us who are, are the founders. We were former instructors. We used to teach for MyFamily.com when they had their online genealogy classes, which they uh, subsequently dissolved. And so we just decided that we we interacted with each other <laughs> to just just sort of informally, and we just sort of banded together and said. 
let's continue to offer because we we all had a following of students and they said sure. well you know geez what are we going to do now we really liked you know you know one instructor oh we you know i liked your class or i liked so-and-so's class and and so we just thought this would be a good way and we were sort of feeling our way through it for the first couple of years and we've been you know we're, we're still evolving we're, you know, we're always open to suggestions and and actually we're, we're always looking for qualified instructors too I'd like to men- mention that if anyone um, has a specialty that we don't offer say like Irish research African American German uh, or other topics they can go to the gen class site and you know click on you know the the, the link to email and uh, our administrator will will get back in touch with them but we're looking to expand, you know, what we offer, but right now we have a, a sort of a core group of courses. That's how basically we got started, and we all enjoy teaching and, and sharing our knowledge, and so uh, it's it's been a, a very fun experience. Oh, that's neat. Now, I know March is Women's History Month, and you told me uh, before we went on air that you have kind of a unique course that's very timely for that. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes, it's uh, finding your female ancestors. So it focuses, you know, primarily on finding the f- the females in your family tree, and they can be a little difficult to find because when you go further back, late 19th century, early 20th century, or even before, most of the records are created for and about men, and and so sometimes it can be a little difficult, and especially you know you're trying to track down the maiden name, or you don't know where to turn, and 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 so the course shows different record groups and different techniques to to sort of track down those elusive females in in your family tree and and I you know I take you step by step and and talk a little bit about you know why females are so difficult some some tips and tricks that I've learned along the way by researching my own female ancestors and then I try to also teach folks how to tell their female ancestor stories because I think that's very important as well that's a subject near and dear to my heart so so sure. that, it, it's a uh, the outline is available on the the class site if you go on the the gen class site and, and click on um, the link to the class and and everybody can see uh, what the the eight lessons entail. Great, and would that be true for all of the classes that you offer? Can we go on there and kind of browse through and see what might fit our needs? Yes. Well, what they do, um, what our administrator does, I believe, is he lists, I think, the, the current month and, and the subsequent two months that are upcoming that are active links. So then he'll, he'll, as the months change, he'll activate the other, the other, the, the subsequent months. So yeah, you can definitely click on any of those to find out. And also the teacher's bios are on there. So you can find out who's teaching the course and what their experience is. So yes, you can get everything right on the site. And there's also a newsletter you can sign up for. It's free. And, uh, it, it, it lists upcoming courses for the month, uh, the month. And also each instructor takes a turn writing a, a brief article for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And it gives sort of a flavor introducing a topic that they, they want to write about or that, that may be covered in one of their courses. And, and so that's a ni- nice way to sort of ease into it and get an idea of, what's being offered. So if somebody goes on to the Gen Class website at, at genclass.com and they look through the list and they see something that's coming up that they would like to participate in, how do they go about signing up for the class? 
There's a Buy It Now link right on there. They click on that. Uh, you do have to have a PayPal account to to do that. Uh, but all the instructions are right there once you click on the, the Buy It Now. And uh, then uh, a confirmation is sent through from our administrator. And then uh, telling when the class starts. And, and then uh, the first of the month. All the classes start on the first of the month. So. Oh, okay. Around the first of the month, then then the, the student will receive the le- the first two lessons from their instructor, and then further instructions as to how that particular instructor runs his or her course. And then each week they'll get the additional lessons. So uh, it, it it works pretty pretty well. It's a well thought out system, and um, it's it's very simple to to sign up for it. And there's also an email link that if they have questions, they can ask the administrator before they sign up. Oh, good. So if you have a question, you can ask. And it Correct. sounds like all you really then need is an Internet connection, your computer, and uh, email to participate. That's correct. And the lessons are in PDF format, so they would need a you know a, a Adobe Acrobat to call up the lessons and be able to download them. And you could download that software for free, couldn't you, off the Internet? That's correct. Yes, at adobe.com. Oh, terrific. Well, Lisa, once again, you're out there doing some interesting things and uh, helping to impart knowledge to people who are looking for it in these specific areas. I think this sounds like a really great way to go. Uh, again, if you're interested, you can go to www.genclass.com. And Lisa, also, once again, thanks so much for coming by the show. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Wouldn't it be great to be able to take an online genealogy course on a topic that you need more information on and be able to have a genealogy expert like Lisa Alzo at your disposal for the month to ask her questions? Well, one lucky listener is going to win not one, but two free classes from GenClass. Lisa Alzo and the folks over at GenClass have been gracious enough to provide me with two classes to give away free, which is a great educational opportunity. And education is a big part of what I want to provide here on the show as well. So here's what you need to do to have your chance to win. Send an email to genealogydrawing at gmail.com. That's genealogydrawing at gmail.com with your name, state, and email address and the topic that you would most like to learn about in 2009 on an upcoming podcast episode. Then on Monday, February 22nd, 2009, I will draw one lucky winner from all the email entries. So you have to have your entry in the email inbox by midnight the night before. The winner will get their choice of two classes of any of the classes provided by GenClass. So again, email your name, state, email address, and the topic that you would most like to hear about on the podcast in 2009 to genealogydrawing at gmail.com by midnight, February 21st, 2009. I'll be announcing the winner on the Genealogy Gems news blog and episode 60 of the Genealogy Gems podcast. You'll find a link to that email address in the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much to the folks at Gen Class, and good luck. Looking for a way to get even more genealogy gems that will power boost your research, inspire your creativity? and give you the motivation you need to tackle that brick wall? 
Become a Genealogy Gems Premium Member and start reaping the benefits right away. And by entering the coupon code SAVE20, you can get 20% off the annual membership. You'll get two extra members-only episodes every month packed with great information you can use right away, an instructional video series walking you through the best internet tools and family history projects step-by-step. And membership is not only educational, it's fun. You can synergize with other listeners in the message forum and even try your hand at the genealogy-themed crossword puzzles. If you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast, then you're going to love being a Genealogy Gems premium member. But don't just take my word for it. Here's what your fellow Genealogy Gems podcast listeners have to say. Thank you very much for your wonderful podcast. It's helped me out immensely. Keep up the good work. Thanks again for everything that you do and for bringing things into a new perspective. I'm calling because I wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed episode number four. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. I learned so much from your podcast and look forward to each new episode. To become a premium member and start reaping the benefits right away, go to www.genealogygems.tv and click the Join Today button. Be sure and type in the special coupon code SAVE20, that's S-A-V-E-2-0, and you'll get 20% off the annual membership. Don't drive through your research with the handbrake on. Go full throttle by being a Genealogy Gems Premium Member. Profile America, Thursday, February 19th. In the early days of the telephone, knowing who had them and what their numbers were quickly became a problem. The first telephone directory in the U.S. was published this week in 1878 in New Haven, Connecticut. It wasn't a big list. There were only 50 subscribers. A little later, a directory also came out in San Francisco with about 170 names. Now there are 270 million phone lines in the nation, about a third of them residential, and directory services are well established. The growing problem today is keeping track of the phone numbers of the more than 255 million cell phone users. You can find these and more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. Well, that's it for this edition of the Genealogy Gems podcast. Now, next week, I will be publishing the next premium episode. And then after that, I will be off to the Family History Expo in St. George, Utah. And I hope to see you guys there. To register, you can just head on over to FamilyHistoryExpos.com. Now, remember, our drawing for the two free Gen Class classes will be held Monday, February 23rd, 2009. So you have to have your email entry in my email inbox by midnight the night before. I'll be announcing the winner on the Genealogy Gems news blog and in the next Genealogy Gems episode, which is number 60, which will be published on the two-year anniversary of the podcast. Wow, can you believe it's been two years already? Time just flies when you're having fun. <laughs> so email your entry to genealogydrawing at gmail.com. And in your email, tell me the topic that you'd most like to hear about on the show in 2009. And be sure to include your name, state, 
and email address. And I will see you over also at the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast to talk about the Family History Library and Family History Centers. Oh, yeah. And the February Family Tree Magazine podcast has just been published. And in that episode, I'll be talking to Maureen Taylor, a.k.a. the photo detective, but not about photographs. So you'll want to tune in to see what that's about. And finally, make sure you've signed up for the free Genealogy Gems e-newsletter because that's how you're going to find out about what's coming up on the show, where I'll be speaking in the future, and some of the cool websites and tips that are only mentioned in the newsletter. So just head over to the website at genealogygems.tv and you just click on that button on the top of the left-hand column to sign up. So until next time, thanks so much for listening, friend. And I'll talk to you soon.